Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. I am your host, Genesis Amaris Kemp, and with me today is Cynthia Klein. And here is a bit about Cynthia. She's definitely a woman on the mission, y'all. She's a family happiness expert and a parenting coach. Cynthia Klein's passion is to create world peace by first creating peace within each family. As the author of Ally Parenting, she has created a unique formula for parents to transform conflict into cooperation. For more than 29 years, she has spoken in person at hundreds of schools and organizations, successfully coached parents of 5 to 25 years old, and taught numerous online courses based on her highly effective allied parenting approach. She has earned a child psychology degree at UC Berkeley, taught elementary school, and is certified in adult education and many parenting education programs. Cynthia is the mother of a married daughter with whom she shares a deep bond of mutual respect, trust, and love. Based on her ally parenting approach, she developed and used while raising her daughter. And without further ado, please welcome Cynthia Klein to GEMS Podcast. And we are going to really unpack the three parenting roles that create clarity and consistency in raising children. It's great to be here. So glad to be talking about this exciting topic. Thank you so much, Cynthia. So outside of your wonderful bio and all of the accolades and accomplishments you have acquired so far and many more to come, what is a fun fact that your um, community may not know about you and definitely not my community. <laughs> a fun fact. Um, I, th- I think one, one, one of the things about me is I am a real um, hugger of redwood trees. So I live in Redwood City, California, and we are known because in the 1800s, redwoods were chopped down and sent along the the San Francisco Bay. And so that it's just, um, it is not very many areas you can find redwood trees. And so I I just love being amongst them. They're very tall, they're very majestic, and I love feeling them. Their bark is like, it, it prevents fire from going through it in bugs, and it has this soft feel to it, and the ground is really soft. So I'm a real redwood tree hugger. That is an interesting and a cool fun fact. So as far as the redwood tree, um, have you taken any bits and pieces of the tree and used them in arts and crafts or anything cool around the house? I have not, but some people do. And you don't cut down a redwood because they take a long time to grow. But if there is parts of the, you know, sometimes they do fall down. And I know some people, that's the only kind you're supposed to be using nowadays right, with creating uh, tables and statues, but I myself have not used them. 
Nice. And now let's um, jump into our topic for the three parenting roles that create clarity. So first off, let's start unpacking what those three roles are. And it's some people won't understand this probably because it's kind of unique to the the training I had with my parenting mentor and what I've put into my book, Ally Parenting. Um, so whenever I talk to parents or I work coach parents privately or do speaking, it's really important to understand that when you're dealing with any challenge with your child, whatever it is, it's important to ask yourself the question, who's responsible for solving this problem? Because it gets very fuzzy. Parents often take over too much and they keep taking over and doing too much and then they're Teenagers get really upset and they shut down. So there's three roles based on who's responsible for solving the problem. Okay. So the first role is called the director parenting role. And you are a director. When you want your kids to do something they don't want to do. Okay? That's when you set the expectation, you set the rule and they're complaining. And I teach parents how to keep setting it clear and concise without extraneous dialogue. So that's the director. So when you're saying to yourself, let's say it is a bedtime, okay? They don't want a bedtime, they wanna stay up late. And you say, okay, this is something I need to set this rule because of your health. It, it's a health rule. And so I'm saying bedtime is nine o'clock let's say, for the younger kids. So that's not up for dialogue, not up for discussion. That, that's a director. You put on your director hat and you're very clear with your kids about this. So that's the first role. And that gets the most, you know, um, disgruntled kids. So question with the director role, can both parents be influencers of the director role or does it work if one parent is seen as having that director role no i think both should okay absolutely so yeah it's because you want to have a consistent rule right so if it's a rule like i said the bedtime rule nine o'clock whatever adult if there's two in the house whatever adult is with the child will be the one who set the director role who takes it on and sets the rule. Uh, so it's not like one person's the hard person, the other person's you know, is lenient. Now, somebody might be more comfortable doing that. I have to tell you, I've been married over 30 years. Uh, I um, My nature is to be kind of a director. So, and I used to be a elementary school teacher and I started out as a substitute. So I kind of, you know, I know, I know how to give directions. I know how to give them clearly. So it's more comfortable for me than my husband. So there might be the difference that way, right? But somebody, and, and, but it's important for both to recognize that whatever, if there is a rule to be set, that it is for the parents to set it and to not waffle on it. That's a tough one. Yes, that that is very tough because sometimes you see 
the power struggle with different parents because some parents are a good cop, bad cop, and then one parent may say one thing, but then the other parent comes behind and says something different. So now the kids are playing off of the strengths and weaknesses and pinning the parents against one each other, each other. But if they would have a clear and concise communication on, we're both going to be directors, we're going to have a unison front on this, and this is what it's going to be. It's not up for a debate here. Yeah, yeah. And that is so important. And often when I do my coaching, most of the time I end up doing it with couples. And part of my job is for them to look to me for advice, not like, let's find a middle ground. Let's see what we're going to both agree on. Okay. And, and once you have the language, the clearly how to state a directive and not engage in all the arguing or the kid trying to get you to change it, then you have more confidence of actually setting a directive. For example, um, it's nine o'clock, it's bedtime. The kid complains. Why do I, you know, all of that. It's nine o'clock, it's bedtime. So once you learn that you don't have to engage in the arguing, and go into, well, because you, you know, if you don't go to bed at nine, then you can't get up in the morning and then you're crabby, all of that. It teaches your kids to, oh, hey, I can have some dialogue on this. I might get my parent to change. So once you learn clearly how to say it and you feel confident and you stick with it, then it's much easier to be on the same team. Beautiful. So director role. So the second role. So that's when, okay, I've got a set of rule. My kid doesn't want it. They don't want a limit on, on the internet. They don't want a limit on getting, on turning in their cell phone at night. Those are director role strategies. It's not to have a big discussion about whether they're going to do that or not. Parents try to do that. It backfires always backfires. So those are things. Okay. So that's director. Now the there's two other roles, collaborator and supporter. Being a collaborator is so important. This is when you say, okay, this is a common problem that's impacting everyone involved. So we need to come up with a solution together. So that's the language. It's okay. So for example, getting out of the house in the morning, it impacts everybody. Let's say your kid though is dragging their feet and they get distracted. However, that most kids do want to leave and go to school if they are going out to school. Um, or uh, so you think of, okay, or chores. That's another collaborative problem. So you have to collaborate to actually come up with the plan of who's going to do what. And then you have to often use a director role to make sure there's follow through. So, oh, yeah. So you plan, okay, like chores. I'm a real big person on everybody doing chores. Like that is so to me, that is important as an important as important as school. Like for kids to learn that they're part of the community, that they must contribute to the welfare of the household. That's so important. So you'd get together, you'd say, oh, God, let's say you haven't been doing that. I've been acting as though this is my laundry. These are my dishes, right? This is all my cooking. We're 
going to change that. We're going to come together and we are going to first discuss all the chores. And I have a step-by-step process in my book, how to do the five-step collaborator process. And so they're going to go through and you're going to do a plan. Now, here's the thing. Once you do a plan, you always have to come back within a week or so and say, how did the plan work? Don't rely, don't say, you said you were gonna do this and now you're not. So you have to always come back and then you often have to use director roles to make sure that there's follow through. So, but when kids know that, okay, this is the time I'm gonna be listened to. And you're gonna take notes. Well, I don't think, I don't wanna do that. And I don't think that's fair if I have to do all of that is part of the collaborative discussion. And you take notes and you listen and you make a plan. And whenever you make a plan, you say, okay, we're going to try this first. We're going to see how it works. And then we're going to check in in a week or whatever. We're going to check in on this day and we're going to see if it's worked or not. So kids know this is the time that they're going to be listened to. When you're a director, they're not going to be listened to. I like the collaborator um, role because it warrants the environment for a partnership where both parties get to be heard. And then whenever you make that plan and you come back and revisit the plan, it's like the check-in time where you have that 360 feedback. So you could see, is it working for the parents as well as the kids? And then um, going back to the director role, that's to make sure that um, you follow through and you make sure you honor your commitment. Right. And what's so important is to not assume your kids are going to do it because they said they are like they're still learning. That's very adult to follow through with what you say you're going to do. Even adults have a hard time with that at times. Right. So please don't get angry with your kids. Too many parents get angry. Like when they you said you were going to do this and you're not instead um, let's say they say they're going to uh, pick up the towel off of the bathroom floor. Let's say that's a problem. They don't think of it. Most kids don't. They dry off and they drop it. Okay. So that's part of the plan. They've got a, a one of the chores is picking up the towel and hanging it up. Okay. However, they're not used to doing that. Okay. So the director role teaches. So it sets guidelines so a director role would be hey you know what i it's hard for you to remember so i let me know how about if whenever i walk by the bathroom and i see the towel on the floor that i come to you and i say towel and when i say towel then that's the reminder for you to go to the bathroom and and hang it up and this is what i did with my daughter do you need to get agreement is okay you understanding that that's a reminder i'm giving you okay so I actually did that with my daughter and it was amazing how well it worked. So I didn't get upset with her. Why are you leaving it on the floor? You said you were, you know, I didn't do all that garbage. All that stuff hurts, hurts feelings, hurts the relationship. And there's no need for shaming and blaming. So I would just say towel and she'd say, oh, I forgot. And she'd get up and do it right away every time. So that's like, we collaborated. This is part of what she was gonna do. And I directed with a reminder without any shaming. She did it. And then I remember going by 
one time and the towel wasn't on the floor, right? So I, I went into her room. I'm like, Jen, the towel's not on the floor. And she said, yeah, mom, I've been hanging up for a while. You just didn't notice. So that's an example of supporting and thinking, okay, director teaches and supports your kids learning. So that's the second role. The third one is the supporter role. So if you think director is, I'm in charge, I'm gonna decide how this is gonna be solved. Collaborator is, we're gonna solve this together. What do you think the supporter role is? They're gonna solve it. Mm -hmm. So very important to be clear as to what problems directly impact your kids and not you. So that you take on the viewpoint of, okay, this is your problem to solve and I'm here to support you thinking about it, coming up with ideas and you'll make the final decision. And parents get very muddy on that. They start telling their kids, well, you should do this. If I were you, do this. So what happens when uh, there's underlying messages often when you command or you interrogate, such as command is like, I've got to tell you what to do because you can't figure it out and it hurts and shuts down communication. So kids start pulling away and they say things like, you don't understand when you start talking about yourself or you start asking them questions. There's a lot of communication blocks I talk about in my book, things that parents say that shut down kids. So when you're a supporter, um, it's so important to be thinking, okay, this is not my issue. I need to provide a safe place for my child or my, I work with parents up to 25 year old kids um, for them to express what they're thinking, what they're feeling. Maybe it's about friendships. Maybe they're having a hard time with a friend and you need to keep thinking, this isn't my problem. I wanna be there. I wanna be available. I wanna give a safe space for my child to think about it so their prefrontal cortex, which is a reasoning and logic part of their brain, can think stuff's gonna come out of their mouth and I'm gonna go, oh my gosh, they're thinking that, wow. But I'm not gonna respond. I'm going to let them come up with ideas and come up with solutions and support them. So important to do that. Those are three amazing roles. And I like how we had gone through each example to really help parents, whether you're currently a parent or you're becoming a new parent, because sometimes parenting, you know, no one necessarily gives you a guidebook when you become a parent. It's like a lot of trial by error. And you have to figure things out, but then you also have to make sure that you don't shut down your child's creativity where they feel like they are distant from you. And then you also want to make sure that you're not seen as your child's friend because there has to be a level of respect there and making sure that they understand the boundaries, in my opinion, because I like I've seen some people who try to be their kids' friends and whenever things happen, the kids aren't listening to them because they're viewing their parent as a friend versus like someone who's an authoritative figure. Mm -hmm. Which is important. We are a parent. A parent has a responsibility to guide and teach 
kids and babies come into the world, they're not socialized. That's what parents do or other adults in their life help socialize them, make them so they're going to be able to contribute to society. There's, they're going to be able to be accepted right, and liked. So what our parenting is all about, what, how do we grow as parents too? That is so big. It's okay. like, uh, this is a great opportunity for personal growth. Raising a child is huge. And now let's talk about the second part of it is the consistency in raising children. How important is it to remain consistent and make sure you're consistent as a parent, but then your child also understands the consistency because that's building structure and that's showing that there is a routine in place that has to be followed. And that can be challenging for some adults who themselves aren't very consistent. So you can, you know, so you can see how parenting is can be so difficult because let's say you aren't that way in your own life. And so I just want to also give support for those parents that find it difficult. You might be in a relationship if there's two of you that one of you is easier if you find it easier to be consistent. Um, so also that's just an important thing to acknowledge, right? That it can't be difficult. But I think if you look at your values, um, let's say you want to set limits on how much they're on the cell phone. It's like really base your rules, your guidelines on your values. And so when your kids want to complain and they want it changed to say, this is our value that there's only so much time we think you should be on a device because our value is you need to be out with people. So if you keep basing it on that, then it's much easier for them to understand and for you to stick with the rule. So you're not going along with, oh, right now I'm going to please my child because they don't like the rule. And so you're putting the value on pleasing your child rather than what do you fundamentally believe? So I really encourage parents to express their kids what their value is. And then when you know, then it's easier for you to go back to that and to be consistent in your rule because kids are going to want you to change. <laughs> they they want to get their needs met and you're trying to help them get their needs met that they don't know that they need. And thanks for sharing that. So the values, make sure you know what the values are because the values, it's what's going to hold you accountable and make sure that you honor those commitments to really keep you consistent, right? Mm-hmm, yep. Yeah. And you keep going back to that. So when there's all this noise coming at you about change, 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 you say, well, this is our value and that's why we're sticking with it. And now as we begin to wind down, Cynthia, I want you to tell the listeners and the viewers, what are some of the things they could look, look for whenever they grab a copy of your book? Give us like a highlight summary. Right. Well, one of the key things that's very unique about my book is I give you a step-by-step -step process to analyze the parenting challenge you're having, to figure out what the solution should be, and then the solutions. So you're gonna learn all about the director role. You're gonna learn all about listening to emotions. I'm big on that. How do you listen to emotions? You're gonna learn how to collaborate 
and you're going to also learn how to be that supporter so no matter how old your kid gets they live out of away from home they still want to call you and want your support awesome and then those um tips and tricks is it like a worksheet within the book where you could write as you're reading the book or do you need to just do it separately so there's examples within the book okay yeah in the step-by-step process is at the beginning of the book there's seven steps that you go through to analyze a problem and it's right there at the beginning you're going to first figure out your parenting role which we talked about today then yeah so step by step and the chapters are very short they're about four pages long i used to i started out writing this for a magazine so it had to be short men love the book i get down to details down to brass tacks right away there's not much fluff in the book <laughs> it's just get to the point which is the way i am anyway so i want to tell men you're going to love the book as well as women i love that and so Cynthia, what is your call to action for this segment that you want the listeners and viewers to gravitate to? If they don't remember anything about the three roles that we mentioned, what will solidify this topic for them? So I think when a problem, when you get approached with a problem, I think the number one question is to ask yourself, who's supposed to solve this problem? Is this a problem for me to solve? Are we supposed to solve it together? Or is this my child's problem to solve and I need to help my child solve it? If you can keep that question in mind, then it'll help you respond and keep the relationship intact with your kids. You won't be messing it up. Nice. And then whenever you ask yourself, whose problem is this to solve, then it will guide you on what role that you need to tap into, whether it's the director, the collaborator, or the supporter. And now for those people who are interested in connecting with you, Cynthia, I want you to plug your website and where you hang out on social media. Great. So the best way to find me is my, you can go to ally parenting, A-L-L-Y parenting.com. That will take you to my website. Um, and that's kind of the best way to first find me. And okay. I do hang out some on Facebook. I'm, um, but I think uh, the best thing is to allyparenting.com. And you can also find my book on Amazon. It's also an audible you can um, go find allyparenting.com or Ally Parenting on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles, whatever your wherever you like to go and purchase your books as well. And thank you so much, Cynthia. Um, listeners and viewers, all of Cynthia's contact information will be in the show notes. So you could definitely tap in with her, especially when you are a parent. We all need to leverage knowledge so we can become, you know, better stewards of our parenting style because it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And we are learning with our children as they are growing. There's no perfect way of doing things. There's lots of ways to improve and really see how we can love and nurture our children while having them 
feel like they're in a safe place where they could come to us because if they don't feel safe in talking to us as parents, then they're going to go out into the world and talk to other people who may not have their best interests in mind. So I definitely want you to consider that whenever you are building up your parenting style and your communication style. How do you talk to your children? How do they perceive the communication? And is it going to make them lean in or push back? So until we chat next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Remember, you're an asset, not a liability. You're here for a reason and give yourself grace and mercy because we are all on this journey um, called life. And it's definitely a roller coaster ride, but how you react to situations is what's going to set you up for success. Subscribe and share the podcast. We're on 40 plus platforms and follow us on YouTube at Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp for all things video content. Ciao. Thank you for listening to another segment of Gems Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to Gems Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at gems, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services, to be here on GEMS Podcast.